podcast of Antioch Church in Colorado Springs. If you've been impacted by this ministry and would like to support the work we're doing in Colorado Springs, you can give online at our website, antiochcos.com. We hope that the Lord ministers to you through this message. Well, I think the quote of the morning, and I wrote this down, and I'm going to stamp this on my journal and put this where I can see it on a very regular basis. But I think the quote of the morning is, we do not love it over there, but we love being where God has called us. Thank you for that, Rachel. We don't love it over there, but we love being where God has called us. And I think that that is so appropriate um, because, you know, if we're not careful, I think everything about Western American consumeristic Christianity tries to convince us that, that we have to love and enjoy and take pleasure in everything or anything that we're doing as it relates to the Christian faith. And the Christian life is not supposed to be easy. It's not, it's, not, it's not designed to be easy. I mean, the marching orders were, pick up your cross and follow me. Like, that was the marching orders of Christianity. It was, it was birthed in death. It was birthed in sacrifice. And, and somehow, I think, you know, I don't want to give too much credit to the enemy, but I think probably one of the most strategic and masterful and brilliant things he's ever done is remove hardship from the Christian faith. Like, right? I, I think one, probably one of the most strategic things he's ever done is, is raise up nations or, or at least infuse or infiltrate nations without a sense of hostility or persecution as it relates to the faith. And I know there's probably differing ideologies and philosophies on this, but um, I was hanging out with a group of guys yesterday, and I need to do my fact check, so I just want to be really, really honest here. But, you know, Indonesia, which is where God stamped his passion for the world and my spirit, that's where the Lord awakened a heart for the nations inside of me in 1996. But I heard just, you know, so many of you may know this, that uh, Indonesia is the largest Muslim country in the world. And uh, I didn't know that, so I was sharing the gospel with everything that breathed. <laughs> and then I found out, oh, wow, like, we can't do this. And so I had to be a little bit more strategic. But I mean, bathrooms and train stations, taxis, like, there was something that literally just came alive inside of me as a 17, 18-year-old young boy when, when God called me to go to Indonesia for two months. But I heard that the Indonesian government has caught on to something. I want you to think about this. Because the church in Indonesia has been exploding under persecution. So the government finally stopped and said, we're going to stop persecuting these guys. And then they actually referenced America. They said, take a look at America. The church is anemic in America. It's lifeless. It's dead. It's powerless. And the church, the Christian church in Indonesia is exploding with power and miracles. They said, we're just going to withdraw persecution. Think about that. When we first moved here 15 years ago, 
and we were trying to rally the troops and create and cast vision for life beyond ourselves, life beyond the, the small, safe bubble of, of American Christianity. I, I remember preaching this message to our youth and to their parents, which was extremely unorthodox, especially the fact that we invited parents into this night. But I'll never forget this. My opening line was, your, your Christianity doesn't work. And any Christianity that is divorced of mission is a broken Christianity. And so here's what I'd like to do in the next 20 minutes. I want to try to make this very succinct. Um, I feel like my MO, whenever we get into this missions mode, whether it's local or global, uh, is to put a lot of emphasis on the why, why this is important. And, and I'm not going to do that today. I'm going to give just really three shots in the air about why this is important I think in the core of our being, most of us who have lived uh, as followers of Christ for some time, I think most of us know why this is important. Uh, what I'd like to talk for a few minutes this morning is about creating spiritual disciplines of witness and mission. Creating spiritual disciplines of witness and mission. Uh, so we talk a lot about spiritual formation. We talk a lot about creating rhythms and practices that help form us into the image of Christ. And as we engage in spiritual rhythms and practices, over the course of the long haul, we see our heart change. We see behaviors change. We see that the form of disciplines actually are working. They're changing us to become more Christ-like, to become more godly, to become more thoughtful, more kind, patient, but I want to talk about creating or engaging in uh, disciplines of witness and mission and believing that these disciplines will be equally, if not even more so, transformative. There's a verse in Jude that speaks to the fact that when we share our faith, our faith is activated. Um, it's activated. There's something about the faith that it comes alive when we share it, when we give it away. There's, there's, some, there's, a, there's, a, there's a life in God that I can't even explain it if you've never experienced it. It just begins to make sense. It's clarifying. It's perspective granting. I would even say it, 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 it's exciting. It's exciting. I'd like to propose this to you guys, that if, if like living for Christ and living as a Christian in 21st century America, if it's kind of become dull and dry, and uh, I'd like to propose that you don't need another conference or another prayer room. You don't need longer time soaking in the presence of God. This, I humbly submit that what you need is you need to get on mission. And you need to give away this treasure. You just need to give away the treasure. Like, you know, most of us in this room, not all of us, but a lot of us in this room, some, some of us in this room, we're kind of at that place. You ever had someone have a birthday or Christmas and you're kind of going, why do I give the person who has everything? Like, that's, that's kind of like most of us right now. Most of us have everything we need. And really what we need is not for someone just to load us up with a lot of more gifts. 
Really what we need is we need to purge a lot of stuff and we need to go through and say, what are some of the most valuable things that other people need and think real deeply about that and strategically about that and then go and make someone else's life better yeah. with, with what we've been given. And then I guarantee you, like something will change. Something in life will change. So here's th three, three thoughts very, very quickly. Why is mission important? Why does mission matter? Number one, because it's who God is. Period. It's who God is. He is a God of mission. Now, around here, we talk a lot about sonship and family. And so perhaps if we want to take the God of mission and we want to put this into the context of who God is a perfect father who loves humanity so deeply. And I love Luke chapter 15's rendition of this because in Luke 15, we see the story of a father and a son and a son who left. And we see that the heart of God aches for every son and daughter who is not in the family. Yes. Okay, so, I mean, just put yourself in that position. If you had a son or a daughter who left the house and you sat at your table and there was a place setting and they weren't there, there would be something inside of you that would ache and break and grieve yes. until they were restored and reconciled back to the family. He is a God of mission, okay? Number two, I think mission is important very simply because, again, I personally do not believe that our Christian faith is functional. I don't believe that our Christian faith even makes sense if we divorce it from mission. Because there's something about living on mission that keeps our Christian faith pure. It keeps it clean. It keeps it right. It keeps me rightly motivated. It cleanses the motivations I'll, I'll share if I have time a little bit more about this, but uh, two weeks ago, I had an opportunity to go to Costa Rica to train Christians from Nicaragua who have been removed from their country because of wicked government and wicked leadership. And so I had a buddy of mine text me afterwards and he said, hey, how, was, how are you? And I said, you know, man, I said, I'm great. There's just something about being around people whose needs are real needs. Right? We're talking about people who have been removed from their country. Now they have no place to live. There is no home. If there are vehicles, they're sleeping in their vehicles. All right? So these are real problems. <laughs> so I said, bro, listen, I'm great, man. I don't have problems. <laughs> or if I do have problems, they really, really are, they're, they're, they're minor in comparison with the fact that, you know, I've got siblings that are literally in prison because of a wicked regime. And if we stand up and we speak out against this person in the name of Christ, we'll either be murdered, executed, thrown into prison, or removed from our country. Those are real problems. I'm not trying to make light of your problems. I'm just saying that my problems, in perspective of those problems, they just, they just got a little cleaner, right? I just had some perspective, okay? And I think living on mission helps us really understand and realize, okay, what life is all about. Okay. I think if I'm going to be really, really honest, I think a lot of our dissatisfaction with church is because you're not on mission. Okay. Listen, if your greatest, if your greatest frustration, if you got to talk about the worship leader or the pastor or the small group leader or the brother or the sister, you're not on mission. You're just not, you're just not on mission. You're not because if you're on mission and you're engrossed with the reality of life without Jesus, you just don't have time for looking around and just being disgruntled about Silly things, guys. Silly, silly things. Okay, there are other things that matter. There are more important things that matter. It's like sitting in a lifeboat with people all around you that are literally drowning, all right? 
and you're looking in the lifeboat and you're frustrated about the color of the raft you're in. Okay, number three, here's, <laughs> okay, here's why mission matters. Um, number one, it's because God's got a mission. Number two is because the Christian life doesn't really work without it, okay? And then number three, because, listen, very real human beings, their lives, very real lives, I'm talking about real human beings' lives, will be affected on whether or not you and I live on mission, their lives, their marriages, their freedom, their addictions, their hope for the future. I remember the story that I'll never forget. Keith Wheeler shared this. He was talking about, and you guys, you guys, India is just a whole nother beast. I mean, Tim and Kristen know this. It's just a whole nother beast. But um, as the story goes, there was a particular religion. And um, in an effort to appease the gods, because there was a, a drought and a famine in the land, in an effort to appease the gods, family members were sacrificing their children in the river. They were, they, were, they were murdering their children in the river under the false uh, religion of appeasing the gods so that rain would come to the land. And then a missionary came and he shared the gospel with them and shared about the ultimate sacrifice that, hey, you don't, what are you, you don't have to, you don't have to sacrifice your children to appease these gods that are not really gods. The ultimate God, the God has given his son as a sacrifice in order for life and flourishing and blessing to come to the land. And with tears in their eyes, they said, where were you last week? Where were you at? Where were you when I was in this river? Like, guys, listen, we're talking about like worldview matters. This matters, like the Christian worldview matters. And it matters more than just living a good life and living right and not feeling guilty because we did or didn't read our Bible today. Or <laughs> it matters, this it's, 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 it's matters for real people's futures. Jordan and Rachel giving their lives over there, there will be people, there will be future generations. Amen. There will be children now that will grow up. They will have a chance to live in life and freedom and abundance in God because this worldview of the gospel matters. All right, so let me just, let me share a couple of thoughts with you this morning that I think, maybe it's just a good reminder, just a good reminder. So, what are some spiritual disciplines that we can just get our hands around that will help us live a life, live the Christian life and live it well? And this is just a good friendly reminder. I don't want any of this, this should, none of this should put any guilt on us, all right? What this should do is go, oh my God, that is so accessible. That's so easy, I could do that. I could take one thing. I could take one of these practices and I could just begin walking this out, living this out. Okay, number one, very simply, pray. Pray. Bobby said this two weeks ago at the men's retreat. And I tell you, I was really, really convicted. And the question was this, who will be in heaven this week if God answered all your prayers? The prayers that you prayed this week. Who will be in heaven this week if God answered all your prayers? And obviously what undergirds that is, have you been, have you and I, have we been praying for anyone by name that doesn't know Christ? And so if God were to answer, if he were to grant you, 
I'm gonna answer every prayer that came out of your mouth this past week. Guys, this past month, this past year, would there be anyone who has been translated from the gates of death into the kingdom of life if he chose to answer every single prayer that we prayed? And like, just let that sit for a second. And what that did for me was go, Lord, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. And, and I'm, I mean, like right there, I just started taking inventory, taking inventory of the names of the people that I know that either I know they don't know Christ or there's a big question marker around that. All right, so here's a couple of easy ways to pray. Number one, pray for yourself. Like just pray for yourself. All right, and pray that God would give you a heart for the lost. Just pray that every day. It's okay to pray that. It's okay to say, God, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not really moved by this, but I'm, I want to be, I'm willing to be. All right, number two, pray that God would give you revelation for the mission of the kingdom and for the necessity of the gospel. Just God, would you open my eyes? Would you open my eyes, Lord Jesus? Would you get my eyes off of myself? Would you get my eyes off of this? And would you lift my eyes up to those that are around me? Uh, number three, pray that God, like Rachel prayed, pray that God would raise up workers and laborers. And can we just put our eyes on this verse in Matthew chapter nine? I just think this verse is such a powerful verse that honestly, I'm gonna ask that we as Antioch, that we just live in this verse for a while. Matthew chapter nine, beginning in verse 35. And then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, curing every disease and every sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. It's ready. It's abundant. It's all around you. The harvest is plentiful. It's not a harvest issue. <laughs> the harvest is ready. It's there. The grains on the head, man, they're about to fall off. They're ready. They're ripe. They're full. The harvest is plentiful. It's the workers. We don't have enough workers. The laborers are few. So ask the Lord of the harvest. That's, his, that's, that's one of his names. Do you realize that's one of the names of the Lord? He is the Lord of the harvest. Ask him to send workers and laborers into the harvest field. And here's what I love about what Rachel shared is that when we ask the Lord to send workers and laborers into the harvest field, he's always gonna go, okay, great. Thank you, thank you for the permission. Will you go? Will you go? And determine beforehand that the Lord has your yes. To your neighbor, the Lord, Lord you have my yes. You have my yes with my coworkers, my colleagues. You have my yes with the people that I have oversight of. And listen, I realize that there are real challenges with everyone. Like we could map out right now all the different concentric circles of people that are in your life, from family members that don't know Christ to extended family members that don't know Christ to the people that literally live right next door to you that do not know Christ, that are treating you ugly, to the people that work with you uh, in the next cubicle, to the people that you're selling things to to vendors, to clients, to customers, to the people that you cut their hair. I mean, there's on and on it goes. And I realize that there are real challenges. So I'm not saying today that we just need to, you know, run into burning houses with water guns and just be foolish. But what I am saying is let's, let's give thought to how to be strategic. 
Like it's one thing to sit back and go, well, you don't understand, this is so difficult. Okay, I, I may not understand, and yes, I recognize it is difficult, but is there any more noble challenge to extend our faith into? Is there any more noble challenge to say, God, I want to get into your wisdom and I want to get into your creative strategy. And man, I'm telling you, like of all the things that I pursue in God, there's really not much more that's noble for me to get into than saying, God, would you give me the right questions to ask for my neighbor, for my client, for my customer? Would you, would you give me the strategies on how to reach them? And then Christianity gets, it just becomes fun. It's like, oh my gosh, like every day I'm literally on an adventure. I'm on an adventure because I'm seeking God for things that really matter yeah. to him. All right, so Lord, raise up workers and laborers and send them into the harvest field. I gotta, I gotta move here. All right, number two, pray for those that you know that don't know Christ. Pray for them by name. Pray for them by name. Like, I want, I want to just, I want to poke your prophetic imagination here for a minute. What would it look like? What would it look like if every single one of us just had five names? People that we knew, that we know that don't know Jesus by name. And you, you want to talk about making your prayer life more strategic, more alive, more, more meaningful. Write their names down, put them in your journal, put them in front of your Bible and pray very, very specifically. Pray number one, that the eyes of their heart would be open to see the gospel. Pray that God would send workers and laborers along their paths. Pray that their hearts would be open and receptive to the love and the life and the truth of God when it comes to them. And pray that every day, multiple times a day. Pray that the gifts and the demonstration of the Spirit's power would be released in their lives. Pray for that. Pray for it every meal. Pray for it before you go to sleep. One of the things that Christian and I do with our kids is before we go to bed, it's not every night, but, but on a, on a semi-regular basis, we pull our kids together and we just say, okay, let's get quiet and ask the Lord who he wants, who, who he wants you to pray for. Guys, this is so accessible as parents. And here, and we're, we're doing a couple of things. We're teaching them, A, how to hear God's voice, and B, we're teaching them how to pray for somebody outside of themselves. And so we just say, close your eyes. We're going to be silent for 30 seconds to one minute. And the first name that pops into your head or the first face that pops into your mind, that's who you pray for. Raise your hand when you got it. And we just go around and we pray for them. Pray for people that don't know the Lord. Okay, listen, let me give you something so simple right now. And hopefully, hopefully if you do this, I, I guarantee you, I promise you, do this for a year, it'll change your life. If it doesn't change your life and you, and you do this a year, this is, like a, this is like a guarantee, right? Money back guarantee, Okay. <laughs> If you do this for a year faithfully and you come back into one year and you say, Pastor, my life's not changed, you're free to leave Antioch. <laughs> we bless you. We bless you, okay? All right, check this out. Check this out. There is an app and the app is called Unreached of the Day. It's, called out by, it's, it's created by the Joshua Project. Write that down, Joshua Project, Unreached of the Day. The Joshua Project's ministry, their entire ministry is devoted to creating summaries of every unreached people group on the planet, this app will give you a nation and a people group that do not know Jesus and on a daily basis. You wanna revolutionize your prayer life? You wanna give you something meaningful to live for? Get this app, okay, and pray. So today, the prayer group of the, uh, the, the people group of today is the Shaiki Karishi in India. I'm probably butchering that name. Population, eight million. Percentage of Christians, zero. Point zero. 
Okay, so like some of these, you'll get to like 0.3, 1.7. This is 0.0, evangelical 0.0. Main religion, Islam, main language, the Urdu, status unreached. According to tradition, the first people who embraced Islam because of the teaching of Muhammad were given the honorary title of Shaykh. Am I, am I pronouncing that right? You don't know, good, I don't know either. This title <laughs> is given to devout Muslims, not only in the Arab world, but also in South Asia. And through the Shaykhs, they have the high status in Muslim communities, but most are livestock herders. Listen to this, guys. Ministry obstacles. Honor and prestige for being loyal to a religious system makes one very reluctant to accept guidance from a savior who seems to appeal to those outside of one's community. Outreach ideas. It will take someone with excellent people skills, storytelling skills, and a solid theological background to reach out to the Quraysh sheikhs. Pray for followers of Christ. There are no known followers of Christ in this Muslim community, but pray that there will be soon. Someone from the Qureshi Shite community can influence South Asian Muslims to embrace the only Savior. There's a scripture focus and there is a prayer for the entire people group, guys, on a daily basis. I promise you, do this for a year, come back to me and let me and just tell me. I promise you, your life will be changed. Your life will be changed. Okay, so um, maybe I should pick up the rest of this at another time. Jonathan, come on up if you would. Um, it's appropriate, I think, that... Um, my first point was pray, and we're gonna just we're gonna do that right now. We've invited those who are praying um, this morning in the prayers of the people to come and pray around specific specifically the issue of local outreach and global outreach. So for those of you who have been Asked to come up and pray. Tori, Greg, Aaron, would you come on up this morning? And uh, as they're getting set, um, let me let me take sixty seconds to share a story. You guys can come on up here anywhere, and then we're gonna pray, we're gonna sing this song. And as we sing this song, I'm just gonna ask. I'm gonna ask that you just posture and position yourself. Posture and position yourself to say, Lord, if I've been closed or cold if I've been shut off to your heart, your missio day, Lord, would you just awaken that again within me? Because really all these things, guys, they're really, they're really just stupid practical. They're things like invite your neighbor out to lunch. They're things like, hey, like take inventory of your hobbies and your interests. They're things, I mean, like they're just silly, silly things, but it all begins right here on our heart saying, God, I, I want to live a missional lifestyle. I, I just want to be more intentional and more aware and I want to live that way from the things that I pray to the things that I care about, to the things I give my money to, to the things I give my time to. So in Mark chapter five, in Mark chapter five, you guys can read that on your own, but the first like 25 verses of Mark chapter five, most of us know this story. There's a man and he's chained up with just like literal physical chains and he's living in tombs. He's living in a cemetery. That's where he lives. And the scripture says that day and night he would cut himself and he would cry out because he was tormented and tortured by demons. And all the people that are around this guy, I mean, imagine like, imagine living where you could hear the torment and the torture of a man who was filled with so many demons that they gave him a name. The name was called Legion. 
We're not talking about just one demonic spirit. We're talking about so many, uh, uh, an infestation of demonic spirits had literally taken up habitation in this man. He was tormented. And we may not think about it in the same way, but I want you to know, I want you to just think about this, guys. There are people that are literally living in tombs and that they are tormented by demonic spirits of depression and doubt and anger and jealousy and strife and bitterness and offense and hopelessness. They're, they're, they're tormented by that. And Jesus comes, he pulls his disciples together, and he says, guys, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta cross this lake. And in the previous chapter of Mark chapter four, Mark chapter four ends with Jesus getting a boat, crossing this lake. And how many guys remember what happens when he crosses this lake? There's a storm. There's a massive storm, but it's not a normal storm. You know how I know that? Because those guys are fishermen. And those guys have seen storms all their life, but this storm freaked them out. They're like, we want to die. What is that? Honestly, I think there was, there was some demonic principality that was behind that storm. So much so that it wanted to have master fishermen willing to take their lives. I want you to know, guys, that there, there are literal spirits that are assigned to keep us placated, indifferent, passive, materialistic, self-absorbed, offended, offense. You know, you know, of all the things that why we should get rid of our offense, because offense keeps us from being missional. I mean, there's, there's a billion reasons why we should get free of offense. But I'm telling you, you live in a fence and, and you are literally disqualifying and short-circuiting yourself from liberating other people that have real, real, real devils that they're fighting with. So Jesus walks into that space. He goes into that space and he commands those devils to leave because he has the authority and you have the authority and I have the authority. The issue is, will we? Will we engage those spaces? This is a song that the first time I heard this was in March, and I heard this song at OBRU when there was a missionary by the name of John Chow whose life was being honored. He was a young man, not even quite 30 years old, who gave his life. He was a modern-day Jim Elliott, gave his life. I mean, guys, listen, not even 30 years old yet, gave his life so that one of these people that we're going to start praying for on a regular basis so that one of these people groups would hear a message. It wasn't a message of colonialism. I don't care what you hear out there in the mainstream media. It was a message of a gospel life and hope that has the power not to make a foreign people Westerners, but has the power to set them free so that we could see them around the throne in heaven. Thank you for listening to the Antioch Church Sermon of the Week. For more information about us, visit AntiochCOS.com.